This past Christmas, one of my daughters gave me an unusual gift called StoryWorth. I don't know if you're familiar with StoryWorth or not, but every Monday morning in my email, I receive a question uh, from this organization, this company, and they ask me questions about my life, questions like, um, what is one of your earliest childhood memories? What was your first big trip? Uh, What were your grandparents like? And so every Monday morning, uh, I write a paragraph or a short, some, sometimes short, sometimes longer. I answer those questions. At the end of the year, these questions and answers are going to be put into a book, so I'm told, and preserved for the family. Now, you know, it's a weekly task. It's something else I have to do, to be honest with you, a little bit of burden there. Uh, and I'm not sure my life is all that interesting to start writing about, but it is kind of uh, fascinating to think about. It's a pretty cool idea because the power of a story is amazing. A story can be inspiring to people that, that know you and others. And in fact, a story can change the lives of other people. So last week we began a series and we, we called it on sharing, uh, basically just sharing. And we talked about sharing Jesus and how every believer is commanded to do so. Uh, we talked about the sin of silence. Uh, we said that to know something and not to do it, that something we should do and not to do it is a sin. And so the sin of silence is very clear when it comes to not sharing our faith about Jesus. We also talked about how to overcome our fears and hesitations about sharing our faith. And we talked about specifically how to share Jesus with people. But today we're going to be talking about how to share your your salvation story or what some people might call your testimony. That's kind of a big word that scares people, but we're going to just refer it to your story. Your story is one of the most powerful tools that you have to share your faith with other people. A recent nationwide survey revealed that almost 70% of people were open to hearing a person's life story, even if it includes the, the, um, the topic of faith. So we might be concerned that, well, I don't think people might not want to know about me, but if I'm going to tell them about Jesus, but people will listen to that. And you know, most of us don't think that our story is really all that interesting. You're probably sitting there going, well, I'm sure there's interesting stories out there, but mine's not one of them. It's not very impressive, especially compared to other people, other dramatic, dramatic conversations that maybe you have heard. Well, let me just give you a comparison here. <clears throat> you might uh, compare to the stories about a, a baby being born. You know, babies are born every day, right? All of us were born, obviously, at some point, and our births were probably different. For some people, your birth may have been kind of dramatic. I mean, all of a sudden, the contraction started with your mom, and things weren't together, and everybody started running, and it was a race to the hospital, and you had car trouble on the way, and the police got involved, and, you know, everybody was afraid the baby would be born, and, you know, a lot of drama going on. Baby was delivered in the police car. Quite a story, you know. Some Some of you have that story. But for most of us, the contraction started slowly. They had the suitcase packed up at the door. They drove to the hospital. They spent several hours in labor. And finally, you were born. Pretty simple, pretty predictable, right? Well, that's not nearly as exciting as some, but at the end of the day, the reality is that we were all born, right? So our birth story is important because it got us here. And our story for Christ is important as well even though it might not be as dramatic as somebody else's. You know, we hear stories like a guy named William Fay. William Fay was a successful businessman. By the age of 22, he was living the fast life. He had been married twice and divorced. He was moving up the corporate ladder. 
and he was a professional gambler. So he was a successful businessman and a professional gambler at the same time. He got connected to the mafia through his gambling, and he started a house of prostitution. He seemingly had it all. He was exciting about life. He was vibrant, but he was always searching. He was always wondering, what's next? I have legal money, and I have illegal money. I have power corporately and illegal power. And yet something was missing in his life. And then his house of prosecution got busted and he was arrested. He was fired from his great job and he was facing several years in prison. Throughout his life, there had been several Christians who had talked to him and he had ridiculed and mocked them. But one of those men he had met was a man named Paul Grant. And Paul shared his life and his story with William and helped him come to Jesus. Now William is, a, is evangelistic, and he is an author, and he wrote How to Share Jesus Without Fear. It's a really interesting uh, book or study that you might look at. You know, most of us don't have stories like that, do we? Most of us can't relate to that kind of lifestyle. In fact, maybe your story is a like, well, like my story. Uh, I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, I had uh, loving parents who guide, guided me and directed me. I was a little bit scared of my dad on some things. Never wandered too far away from God. Uh, it was kind of a boring and unexciting, unexciting life. But you know what? The same God who rescued William Fay from that hell he was living is the same God who protected and sustained me and you in our lives. And so that makes our story valuable too. Even if your story isn't dramatic, it can be powerful. So we need to learn how to share our story. People will listen to the story of our life, even though you may not feel it's all that interesting. Now, I think there are several reasons why we might be a little bit reluctant to, to share our story. I just mentioned one of them. We feel like that our story doesn't matter. It might be boring to you. You know, it might be, well, nobody wants to hear about how I gave my life to Christ and what my life was like before. But remember that your salvation is the greatest thing that's ever happened in your life. Your salvation is more important than anything else you ever do, you've ever done or ever will do. It's more important than any incident that ever happened in your life. It's the greatest thing that ever happened. And it took the son of God's, uh, took the death of God's son to make it happen. So there is nothing ordinary or mundane about anybody's salvation story. Honestly, most of the people that you talk about, uh, you, you talk to about Jesus are going to be a lot like you. You may meet a William Fay every now and then in your life, but 99% of the people in your life are not like that. They're going to be a lot like you. They're going to be ordinary people, and they really wouldn't connect with that story anyway. But people need to know that you are like them and that you need a Savior just like they did. As successful or struggling as you might be, your story is important. Another reason we might not think that uh, we should share our story is that we don't want to turn people off by being too forceful. You know, we don't want to be, we don't want to force our story on people. But you know what? Your story is probably one of the least forceful tools that you can use in sharing Jesus. Because we can all talk about our experiences in doing different things, and we can be self-effacing, and we can be modest, and make ourselves vulnerable and open. Whenever you open up your life to people, you're honest about your weaknesses and struggles, it has a way of helping them become open too. 
When you just say, I, you know, I'm a lot like you. I struggled with, you know, with money or I struggled with wanting a, a, a successful career or whatever, thought that was the most important thing in life. And they begin to see that you're human, you're a lot like them. Another reason I think that we sometimes had the fear of, uh, of saying the wrong thing. If you were here last week, we talked about the fear of people ridiculing or mocking us uh, about our faith or of us not knowing everything to say uh, or, or, uh, or saying the right thing at the time. But your story is what it is. Your story is what you tell, right? Your story is what happened in your life. You can't be wrong because it's your story. And no one can contradict you about your story, right? Because you're just simply telling them and they can't tell you that you're wrong, it's your story. Let me read a passage of scripture from John chapter nine that tells of someone's story. It says, they brought to the Pharisees a man who had been born blind. And you can imagine what his life was like, right? Trying to get by life blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the disciples also asked him how he'd received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. But some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What do you have to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. And nobody could argue with that, right? They're trying to get information about who Jesus is. They're criticizing Jesus. They're saying he's a sinner. He's saying, I don't have any idea who he is. All I know, I was blind, and now I see. And I think that forms the basis of our story. Nobody can argue with your past, where you were, what Jesus did, and where you are now. And so you have a platform of truth there. God's done this in your life. It's your story. So while there's some reasons why we're reluctant to not tell our story, let me tell you some really good reasons why we should. First of all, our story proclaims Jesus. When you tell your story, you are telling the story of Jesus. Your story is really his story. It's the story of what Jesus has done in your life. In Luke chapter eight, Jesus meets a man who's been possessed. He's been possessed by a lot of demons and his life had been, had been literal hell. And these demons controlled his life. He was naked. He was living in the tombs. He had been arrested many times. He was chained up. He probably had chains, uh, broken chains uh, from his arms because he had broken free. He was out of control. He didn't have a life. And when Jesus met him, Jesus cast out all these demons. And the man was dressed and in his right mind. So the man received his sanity. He got his life back. And, and he wanted to travel with Jesus. He said, Jesus, I want to go with you. I want to test my, tell my story uh, with, with, with you and, and, be, and be a follower. But Jesus said this. He said, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. So here was a guy that was well-known. Everybody knew his past. Everybody knew, maybe they weren't there when he was healed, but they saw and heard that Jesus had healed him, and they saw how different his life was. Now he was normal. And Jesus said, you know what the best thing you can do is go back to your hometown and tell your story. And I would say to you that when Jesus does something in your life, the best thing you can do are tell the people that knew you before. 
Tell the people who, who knew your first life, your previous life, and the difference Jesus has made. So our story proclaims Jesus. Secondly, telling our story shows that we're acknowledging Jesus, that we are acknowledging or confessing Jesus. You know, many believers are living out the great omission. We're omitting something rather than the great commission. Jesus said, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown, me, I will disown before my Father in heaven. So again, the sin of silence we talked about last week. We know the good we ought to do, but we don't do it. We don't proclaim Jesus. We don't acknowledge who Jesus is. We just stay quiet because we don't talk about what Jesus has done in our lives. We have opportunity to share him, but we choose not to do so. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. You know, Paul could say that because if you remember the story of Paul, he was an enemy of Christ and he was persecuting people and putting them to death. And that was his story. He told that story about what, where he was, what Jesus had done in his life, and where he is now. And so Paul says, don't be embarrassed about that. Don't be ashamed of my story or of your story, but tell the story. The third thing I note is that sharing our story helps us share Jesus with kindness. It helps us be kind in the way that we do it. We don't come across as condemning and critical and uh, uh, looking down at people, but we identify with them. The story of Jesus is not to be delivered with, argue, with um, uh, anger or vengeance. You know, if that's your way of sharing Jesus, it's not going to be very successful. The Bible says that we are compelled by love and compassion as well as responsibility. So being judgmental and being harsh on people and critical people is not going to convey the gospel message as it was meant to be shared. Here's what Peter said. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. Notice what he says, always be prepared. What's he talking about? Your story. Tell about what Jesus done in your life. But he also talks about how you do that, gentle and respect with a clear conscience. Don't beat people up with your story or condemn them. Just share them with love and kindness. No one was ever browbeaten or debated into heaven. So we also need to be prepared to explain our faith in a gentle way. And that means that we have the right motive when we do that, that, that we're prayed up, you know, that, that we are prepared and we're willing to back off if the person is not receptive and we make sure the relationship is not dependent upon their response. So in other words, if they don't respond to what you have to say, you just don't go away and never speak to them again. You, may, you think, well, maybe God will give me another chance, another opportunity to do that. Well, there's one more reason I think a story is powerful in that sharing our story is how people believe in Jesus. It's how people believe in Jesus when you think about it. How do you know about Jesus? How do you know what you know about Jesus? How do any of us know what we know about Jesus? Because people told and recorded their story and how it intersected with Jesus. For example, we have four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all four of them are stories of Jesus. No doubt about it. They tell the story of Jesus from his birth all the way through, but also how the lives of the writers intersected with the life of Jesus. Each one tells of their perspective on Jesus' ministry. How did they meet Jesus and how Jesus impacted their lives? 
The apostle John writes this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by, by believing you may have life in his name. So John says, I could tell you stories all day long. In fact, later on in, this, in his, his book, he says, if every story was told of Jesus, the world wouldn't have room to contain the, the volumes, the books. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? So John said, what I wrote is just a small part, but this is what God led me to write. Now, what would we do without John's story of, of Jesus? We would be lost in knowing who Jesus was in many ways. Now, our story is not going to be inspired like John's story and the other gospels, okay? So it's not an inspired, inspired account that we're going to write or tell, but it does have, a, is a story that people need to hear so they can believe and have life in his name, why John wrote his book. So you have a story that needs to be told. Understand, regardless of how exciting, how unexciting it might be, you have a story to be told, and you may think that because it's your story that you don't have to think about it, that you can just, uh, you know, off the cuff tell your story. I mean, after all, you were there when it happened, right? And so you know your story. But here's the problem. When you start sharing your story, you can easily get distracted about your story. And you can easily get nervous about things or you can forget things when you share, which can be confusing or distracting to people. So in other words, you start on a story and then a squirrel goes by and you chase that squirrel and, you know, and the person has no idea what you're talking about and you're just, you know, you're just rambling like I'm starting to do just now, right? So, so that's why you need to give some thought to your story. I guess I'm trying to tell you your story is important enough that you ought to be uh, prepared to share it in a, in a simple way. So let me give you a real quick outline of how to share your story. Very simple. Everybody can remember three things, right? Three points. First of all, your life without Jesus. What was your life without Jesus like? Uh, and if you became a Christian as a child, that may be a little more difficult, but you can share about being raised in a Christian home uh, like I was, and you can share about uh, when you knew that you needed Jesus to become your Savior. If you became a Christian when you were a teenager or an adult, you can talk about how that happened and you can talk about what events led to that decision. You know, kind of grew up and didn't really have an interest in the church or whatever it might be along that line. And uh, there are some things that we all have in common. For example, we need to remember that we were all sinners, that we did not live for Jesus. We lived for ourselves. We didn't know the purpose for which we were created. Every one of us, could, that could be a part of all of our stories. And when you think about your life before Jesus, this is the time to talk about your need for new life, because all of us have that. In Ephesians chapter two, it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the, of the uh, air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now, most of us wouldn't think about our life like that before Christ. But when we look back, we say, that's what the Bible says, that we were deserving of the wrath of God and that we were just satisfying ourselves, our own fleshly cravings. So it's important though, that you talk about and clarify the point that you became aware that you were lost and that you needed Jesus. And that's the point they need to come to as well. So you have to kind of get to that point. 
But be honest and don't exaggerate on your story. Don't exaggerate, you know, don't leave people thinking, I don't believe that, you know, I, I don't think you did all that stuff. That's very confusing, creates some doubt in people's mind. But if you struggled with addiction, shame, guilt, certain sins, generational sin, or impactful events that shaped your life, be willing to admit them. Be willing to admit them and, and be comfortable sharing because that's not who you were before. That may be painful to do, but, but it also can bring hope and healing to other people. Let me give you an example. I have a friend who shared with me a couple of weeks ago that his 62-year-old sister recently shared the story of being sexually abused as a child. And that's a traumatic event, right, that she had had that's been impacting her life all the way up to this, this point. But she had grown in her faith to the point that she could share that story, and she shared it with, with a man strangely enough, who had himself been sexually abused. And he talked about the power of her story. So number one, that was a huge step that she could acknowledge that it happened to her, but it also helped bring freedom and healing to both her and the guy that she was talking to. This was a family friend that, that she had shared with. That's a powerful testimony. And it, it, it was huge in both their lives. So obviously use wisdom and discernment about what you share and who you share it with, but let people know how powerful God really is to change lives and hearts and turn things around. That's just an example. So who you were before. The second part of your story is when Jesus became real to you. When Jesus became real, even if a person knows about Jesus before they give their life to Christ, even if you grew up in the church knowing all about it, there's got to be a moment when you realize that you need to do something about it, that you're broken and you need to respond. You know, I grew up in the church all my life. I gave my life to Christ when I was in fourth grade, I believe. I was baptized there sometime in grade school. And I knew what I was doing. I remember the details clearly today of my life. I wasn't a horrible kid. I was a normal kid probably. Um, but uh, I, I, there was a point where I knew this is what God was calling me to do. And so uh, for a few years went by. When I was in high school, I recommitted my life to Christ. I remember the evening. I remember what clothes I had on that night. I remember because it was so powerful a moment in my life. That moment was memorable to me. That was a detail in my life that God, a time in my life, it wasn't committing to ministry. It was just saying, I know I need to recommit my life to Christ. And it was a very uh, meaningful time. So the details of your con uh, conversion are going to be unique to you. Only you can detail them. Nobody can tell you what to say. That's why you need to reflect and spend some time writing it down. Ephesians chapter 2 goes on to say, but because of his great love for us, God, who is deep, rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So Paul says, you were dead, we were dead in our transgressions, but he made us alive. He showed us grace. He brought us from, our de from death into life. And this really is the heart of the story. It's what Jesus did in your life, that Jesus saved you and changed you. He gave you a new start from death to life. And it kind of needs to be a wow moment, you know, a, a life-changing experience with Jesus. 
You might say something like, you know, Jesus gave me a new heart, or he set me free from sin, or he gave me a new purpose for life, a new meaning. Whatever you say, it's your story and your experience, whatever fits, that's where you need to go with it. And the third part of your story is how is your life different now? How is your life different from before? Spend some time and think about that. That's why we kind of need to write this down or at least kind of think about it in advance. The apostle Paul hated Christians. He did his best to wipe out every Christian he could find. I'm sure you weren't that bad, more than likely. None of us were on a crusade against Christians, right? But maybe you were skeptical believers. Maybe you couldn't understand why they went to church, why they were kind, why they tried to live a certain way. But now that you are a Christian, you understand that. And you can talk about your new priorities, new values, new habits, and your new lifestyle, the change that you've made. Ephesians chapter 2 goes on. It's a great study right there. Ephesians 2, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Being a Christian helps us understand how God made us and how we can use our natural gifts and interests to serve him. And how can we change in the process? It tells us all those things. So talk about how your life has changed, that Jesus set you free from addiction, or you used to have a short temper, or now you, now you have patience and peace. Used to be ar- argumentative and critical of people, and, and now you're more kind and accepting of people. Tell them how you value worship. Talk about your church, family. Talk about how you knew you had to give your life to Christ, how important your baptism, and how meaningful it was to you. Now, your story doesn't have to be long, but it does need to be unique to you. And I would encourage you to sit down sometime and think about those three points, where you were, what happened when Jesus came to your life, and what your life is right, like right now. And maybe practice it by sharing it with another Christian or your spouse or someone. And follow these three points and, and, and practice so you don't get off track. It's really easy to get off track and distracted when you start talking about Jesus. And, and you want to talk a lot, but the, the problem is that you don't want to confuse people. And you don't want to have to defend what you believe or try to explain everything in the Bible. Remember that your story is just that, the story of what Jesus has done in your life. So make sure the takeaway is that your life is so much better now than it was before. That's important, that you don't get distracted by your past. I remember I was in college one time, and this guy was telling a story. I don't know if it was true or not. Uh, It was pretty out there, but he talked extensively about how he had lived before becoming a Christian. And he just went on and on and on. He didn't talk anything about how, what Jesus had done in his life or how it has changed. And I almost sensed a longing for the good old days. Man, we used to do this. We used to do that. I'm like, well, you know, it sounds to me like you wanted to go back and do it all over again, right? Don't leave that kind of impression because that old life was death. You're looking at new life. And make sure people understand where Jesus has taken you from, how he did it, and where you are right now. The power of a story. A story is amazing and interesting. I want to share, uh, we got a video clip today of my good friend, uh, James, and he's going to tell his story on our clip. Good morning. My name is James Kyo, and I'm here this morning to share my testimony with you. My walk in Christ began nine years ago next Sunday. It was a bright sunny morning in April, April the 27th, and a dear friend of mine had agreed to pick me up at my home. We were going to Churchill Downs. It was the week before the Kentucky Derby. 
we were going to watch some horses train and I got in the car with him and immediately he turned to me and said the Lord has placed it on my heart for you to come to church with me this morning. In those days I was uh, I attended the Catholic Church my parents and my background in Ireland was around the Catholic faith. I was aware that Elliot was a man, a tremendous deep spiritual man, and had a tremendous faith, but I was fair sure I didn't want anything that he had. We drive down towards Louisville, we're driving along and we pass Shelbyville. Elliot turns to me again and said, the Lord has placed it on my heart to take you to church this morning. I'm like under my breath, I'm saying, Lord, I don't want any of this. You know, you and me are tight. We get to Simpsonville and here he goes again. The Lord has placed it on my heart this morning to take you to church with me. And I'm like, Lord, really? But anyway, we go to Churchill, we watch the horses train. It's a beautiful morning. It's the week before the Kentucky Derby. The place is buzzing with energy. We have a great time. We turn, we come home and we're driving out of Louisville and we're stopped at a traffic light coming up onto Waterson Expressway. And Elliot turns again and says to me one more time, the Lord has placed it on my heart this morning for you to come to church with me today. And I'm like, please, Lord, stop this. So we drive on home. He drops off an employee at his farm and he drives by my house. Without even blinking an eye, he drove straight past my home. He drove me into Lexington. We attended a church there. The irony of it was he pulled straight up outside the church. I think he was afraid I was going to do a runner or something on him. <laughs> but I walked into that church and for the first time in my life I truly encountered a living, breathing God. I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit descend upon me. It was an experience that I had never felt before in my life. I wasn't aware that there was another person in that church that morning. I remember looking back I was quite frightened indeed by the whole experience. But it was absolutely remarkable. I walked out of that church this after, that afternoon and I was trying to process in my head what had actually happened and indeed I was kind of quite, quite feared by the whole thing and um, it, it, it had just a remarkable impact on me. But I remember waking up the next morning and trying to process the whole thing in my head and understanding the sermon and the sermon spoke of, of heaven and hell and eternal damnation and living with the Lord for the rest of eternity. And it, it really, really impacted me. And I remember thinking about a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday, I said to myself, you know, I have to go back and see, go to that church again and really see what I experienced. I went back after attending the Derby on Saturday and having a great day, but always just thinking and thinking of what I encountered the previous Sunday. I went back to that church the following Sunday and the only thing that was different was that it was even more amazing than the first time. I um, was baptized in that church six weeks after that day mm. and it's been an amazing walk. I'm so grateful for what the Lord has done in my life. My relationship with him, my old relationship was sublimely arrogant and was based on fear. My new relationship is based on love, admiration, and the wonder of his grace in our lives. I thank you for listening to my story this morning. Mm.
<clears throat> well told, well told. The story is amazing and inspiring and encouraging, and it makes us want to know more ourselves. And you have a story. You have a story. Not that great of an accent, probably, but you got a story. <laughs> and you need to tell people that story and point them to Jesus. That's what it's all about. Let me close with one more thing. And that is you have to make sure that your life matches your story. Your life has to match your story. You can't just tell a story that doesn't have the same ending as you're living. People need to hear it, but they're going to see your story, see it more clearly. And so that's a big part of how you live your life. Followers of Jesus must live changed lives. And when we live those changed lives, people will take notice and we will have a platform and freedom to tell the story and how we got there. But the actions and story have to match. Guys, I believe that God is moving in our day and time. There is a crazy world out there that like I've never lived before, but there is the kingdom of God that's moving in powerful ways. And my challenge is for you to find your place in that. And, for, and do that beginning by, by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Uh, we're going to actually have another baptism this morning, which is amazing. And so where the water is already warm and there are going to be people in it. So if you have not given your life to Christ, uh, come up here and see me during this song. Don't wait and don't delay and don't just like, I'm going to think about it. Um, today, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. God is moving in our world, moving in our church, and coming to know him begins with the first step to come out and follow Jesus. And then you will have a story that will develop and grow in what God is doing in your life. For all the rest of us, we need to pray for our world, pray for the people that we know, and we need to tell our story. So I pray that you will be compelled to think about your story, maybe to write it down and start sharing your story with people. We're going to have just a song here as, as, we, as we worship, time, time of response. I'm going to be up front. Uh, Tony will be here. We'll be available for you to come and pray if you want someone to pray with you or for someone, whatever it may be, or you need to respond in some way. Uh, I'm going to ask right now if you would to stand with me and let's pray. Father, thank you for this day, for being such a good God, for changing lives. Father, thank you for James' story. God, just the the life that he lives today and his testimony is powerful evidence of what you can do to someone who thinks they're good with you. But God, when they see Jesus and they see um, a, a, the living Lord alive and powerful, it changes everything. God, I pray that we can be those stories that people will see and hear. But God, I pray that all of us have our own story to tell. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.